0: Welcome to Parenthood Pals, I'm Caleb Hoyer. And
1: I'm Melissa fight Johnson, and with us today is my good friend, and by now, Caleb's good friend, and by now, your good friend. The world's great <laughs> the friend. The world's great friend, Ruth Williams. Welcome back, Ruth. Welcome. Hi, Yay. thank you so much for having me again, and...
2: Yes, thank you for the kind words.
1: <laughs> you are welcome. Thank you for being here with us. We were saying off uh, before we started recording that truly like one of our favorite people to to talk with.
0: <laughs> Always such smart, smart conversations. Arana. That's
1: right. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, thank no you. pressure. It's just who you are and what you bring. You can't even help thank it. You. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And that's why she has joined not just the three timers, club Brr. Brr. Drum roll. <laughs> but the club. Yay! Yay. One, two, three, four timers club yeah An even more elite group uh, just let's yeah so i'm
2: proud to be part of it, it <laughs> truly talking about tv and this show in particular though i never watched it originally I th- well, I, th- I should scratch that. I think I have always said. I think I must have watched a couple of the episodes because it seemed familiar to me, and I kind of recognized some of the characters, but did not religiously watch it. But wow, it gives you a lot to talk about.
1: It definitely it does. does. At that. Yeah. yeah, we have proven that. I think that is true. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well Ruth was last with us for episode five oh four, in dreams begin responsibilities. And I see Ruth on a fairly regular basis, but for those of you who don't, Ruth, what have you been up to in the last year?
2: Hmm. I became the chair of my department. Yes, so I'm now the the head honcho in wow. charge of the English department. If you want to hear why I think the English major is really great, could start a second podcast
3: with all my <laughs> rantings and ravings.
2: I think people kind of dismiss it unfavorably, but. Uh, Yeah. So that's a big, that is a big
1: deal. Yeah. Congratulations. And just uh,
2: writing, writing some poems, publishing some poems. And yeah, that's what I've been up to.
1: Excellent. I love it. Makes me happy. Which meant
0: more to you becoming the chair of your department? or joining the four timers
1: Uh,
0: and be honest uh, but
2: tell us what we want
1: to hear
0: well
2: you know it's funny because becoming the department chair it's like it's sort of stressful i'm not the kind of person who's like please make me the the head honcho yeah and we're like hey i'm fine not being in charge (laughs) just tell me what to do yeah but yeah I like being part of the Four Timers Club too.
0: Hopefully, that will be very low stress. And yes. it'll be over in a few hours. That's
3: right.
1: Much, much less of a commitment. Yeah. That's right. Yes. All right. Well, let's dive in.
0: Let's commence the fourth time. That's right. Our discussion of Parenthood Season Six, Episode Nine Lean In. It was written by Jesse Zwick, directed by Lawrence Trilling. It originally aired on November 20th, 2014, which is my dad's birthday. Not the year, Mm -hmm. but...
1: (laughs) That'd be weird if
0: it were that year. My dad (laughs) eight.
1: Your dad is Benjamin Button.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And here's the TV Guide synopsis. An open house is held at Chambers Academy, but it's marred by tension between Dylan and Max. Meanwhile, Hank's pleased that Ruby's looking forward to her school play, but Mark Sears' presence causes problems. And so you can list mm. Drew on a covert mission. Before we start talking about each storyline, have got to do our... Oh,
1: uh, yeah.
0: For this episode, there will be no Crosby, no Jasmine, no Jabbar, no Amber, no Sydney, and no Victor. So I feel like the big headline here is the max dylan saga yeah but i cannot i gotta work up to it
1: okay okay so <laughs> let's ease in
0: with some happier storylines i'm gonna start with mark
1: yay hey
4: mark I starting back. with
0: back uh, i mean i'm not really starting with him i'm starting with that storyline but he's in it and he's I in just, it. i feel happy knowing that that light is within this tunnel somewhere Yes. What I'll start with is a musical theater reference. Rare, but it does happen on Parenthood. Sarah tells Ruby, when Ruby goes on for Sandy in her school play, about Shirley MacLaine being discovered when she went on as an understudy in the pajama game. And that is true. Carol Haney, who won a Tony for her role of Gladys in that show, injured her ankle, and Shirley MacLaine replaced her and was seen by a film producer who signed her to a deal Hmm. and launched her film career.
1: That's amazing. That's a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. I did also enjoy the little PS where she's like, do you know who that is? And (laughs) (laughs) she did not. But still, yeah, I enjoyed that.
0: The first big comment I had on this whole storyline, so they go to the play, they see Ruby perform, Mark is there subbing, Sarah and he make eyes at each other, but they don't even really talk. Sarah wants to not go, and Hank does want her to go, and I just took note of how great their communication was in this scene.
5: Hey, so I was thinking maybe just you guys go to the show tonight, you know?
0: What do you mean? Well, I just
5: feel like it's, you know, it's a family thing. And I know Sandy felt uncomfortable, and I don't want Ruby to feel, you know, it's like mom, dad, dad's girlfriend,
6: and... Well, it's, no, first of all, you're not just my girlfriend, all right? I'm not. I mean... I'm.
5: What am I, then? No,
6: you're not. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. So, so, you know, if I want you to go, you should be able to go. And I do want you to go. I like you in Ruby's life. What, is it about the... uh, Is it Johnny Rocket? Is it about Mark?
5: No.
6: Because I get that. I mean, I, I'm asking a lot. I know. First of all, just going to this thing—it's a kid's high school thing. It's uh, let's oh. be honest. Some of those kids, so, though. Right? <laughs> Come on. No, Ruby's good. But look, here's the thing. I'm 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 learning to communicate, right? When things are important to me. Uh That's this. it's one of these it's one of those things.
5: It's not about Mark. It's uncomfortable to see him, but it's not like I wish for things to be different. It's just brings up a lot. Yeah. But listen, you're telling me that it's important to you and I really appreciate that. And so I'd like to go.
0: For real? For real. If anything, they were kind of laying the good communication on a little thick. I don't know that you always have to repeat what the other person said back to them. But it makes sense for these two. Yeah. Because Hank is so explicitly working on that very issue. And it was just really refreshing to see people communicating effectively. Yeah. Obviously, the whole show can't be like that. Then there'd be no conflict (laughs) and it would be completely unrealistic. But it just was refreshing when it happens. And again, I keep liking Hank this season.
1: That's true. Do you think they were also making up a little bit for when earlier he talks to Sandy about getting tickets and he doesn't factor Sarah in? He only is talking about getting tickets for him and Sandy. And Sarah's like, oh, I'm so excited. And he's like, oh. Right. And and then has to call. So like maybe that helps with, you know, counterbalancing. Could be. <laughs> yeah. He's not perfect. He hasn't nailed it totally, but but yeah, no, he was pretty great in this episode, I thought.
2: I, I almost felt like too they were kind of preparing us for the encounter with Sarah and Mark that was gonna happen shortly after that. Yeah. In one way we're not sure, like, are they are they is does Sarah still have like feelings? But this initial conversation between hank and sarah makes me feel like oh this relationship has actually really progressed you know yeah yeah and i think that ends up getting built on in all the subsequent encounters that hank and sarah have over this like issue of like the what if of mark like are you i guess we'll get there but yeah
0: (laughs) but that that's such a great point because I I mean, I feel like when this aired on live television, I'm sure they were promoing the return of Mark.
2: Right, like, "Uh uh-oh.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure everyone who loved Mark is like, is this hope that she'll she'll get back together with him? But at every step of this storyline, I feel like they were always kind of ruling that out, that that, it just wasn't what it was about. And I actually think it was much more interesting than if it had been another triangle And instead it was, yeah, just this significant piece of their past and, and of all of their pasts, like at the end of their conversation, uh, Sarah and Mark's when Hank shows up, it's like Hank knows who Mark is too. And their relationship has a lot less positive stuff to draw on. Like I get why Sarah and Mark would be civil to one another because there was a lot of love there. But there was not a lot of love between Hank and Mark, (laughs) nor should there have been. I was very impressed with how cordial, mostly Mark, but I mean, I guess Hank too.
1: Hank, I'll give him credit. He was, I really liked that when he came out there and saw them talking and he was like, we don't have to go yet. If you're, you know, like the idea of like, if you're still talking and I think that shows security and I actually think he wasn't all that secure so I think it's even more impressive he was just knowing it was the right thing to do and I think in the past he would have been selfish about that and would have been maybe a little threatened and would have been like let's go uh, you know and and so I thought I thought that was that was very big of him and I wasn't surprised that Mark was uh, cordial because that's he's perfect so that's yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, let's bask in his perfection a little bit.
1: Okay, Drew
5: is at Berkeley. He's doing well.
0: Oh yeah.
5: Doesn't call me enough. Uh,
0: and uh, how's Amber?
5: Amber is pregnant. Uh,
0: yeah. Wow. With it's it,
5: uh, was a situation with a boyfriend who might not be in the picture, but oh. she's. Handling it really well, and yeah,
0: she can do that.
5: It's just about six weeks away. Wow! Big changes.
0: That is. So you're going to be a. Uh,
5: no, 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 no. A thing.
0: We don't. Uh, no.
5: We don't say that. <laughs> no.
0: That word. No. no. Maybe there's there's got to be some cool hip new word. I've for... been
5: trying to find it. <laughs> yeah.
0: It is eluded. Yeah. Know, I'm
5: not sure it's going to catch on. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's exactly. been
5: a word for it for a while now. <laughs> oh, it's uh, traumatic. but exciting.
0: Yeah. Wow. That is just ahead of my wife.
5: No, really? Yeah. Are you gonna be a dad? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ugh, that's great. Yeah, it's exciting. You're gonna be so great. Thanks. Um, I oh, hope so. that makes me happy. <gasps> yeah, um. That's great. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's,
0: it's surreal, but, um, Looking forward to it, I guess.
5: This is going to sound weird, but I'm, I'm glad I knew you.
7: I'm glad I knew you, too. I'm really glad I knew you.
6: Hey. hey, how is she? Oh, you know, a lot of drama, a lot of crying. Sandy's taking her back now. OK, let's go. Yeah, if you want to hang. Mm. No, no
0: well it was it was really nice to see you and uh good luck being a whatever word you come up with and i'm I'm sorry about ruby oh yeah
6: yeah she's okay thanks
0: okay bye and that goodbye is for real it's jason ritter's final appearance on the series Which, it's pretty impressive, though. He was in the fifth episode of the whole thing. Yeah. And here he is in the 99th.
1: Yeah. Impressive run. I thought it was a really fitting send-off. Like, it was really nice, the I'm glad I knew you. You know, like, how many people get that with an ex? You know, especially when there's some borderline cheating, you know? Like, just some kind of, like, uncomfortable messiness in the breakup and everything. It's... It's nice that they were able to have such warm, positive, you know, feelings and and to express that. And it's a good reminder that like, not every significant relationship works out, you know? And it's, yeah, some of them are temporary and that they still meant something. They still impacted who you are.
0: Yeah,
2: I, I definitely, I loved this scene. And it's funny because I think it was the first episode that you all had me on for. It was the one where Seth, has come back it was like that little arc yeah Mm -hmm. and you can tell that that from what I remember of it it was much more like fraught Mm -hmm. you know and the connection was still like a live wire yeah whereas here the live wireness of it there's still electricity there but it's like it's contained it's controlled and it's maybe it's I don't know I I gotta think of my electricity metaphor (laughs) like what's a What's a good metaphor for when electricity is passed through something, but it's no longer there, but you can tell it was there. I mean, maybe a burnt out light bulb, you can tell that it was once lit, Hmm. but it's something more warm than that, that feels really broken or damaged. And it's not that at all. Yeah. The fact that they say, I'm glad I knew you. It's like, it's another way of saying, I love you, but I love you would be inappropriate at that point. But that is a form I, I personally think of love. Yeah. like I. I'm so glad that I knew you. I'm so glad that I experienced that time with you Yeah. that I can even say that knowing full well, that it's good. We're not together. Yeah. Right. Because Mark is saying like, I'm going to have a baby, which is the huge reason why their relation, one of the reasons why the relationship was not going to work out. There yeah. was a conflict around that. And Sarah can say, you know, I'm going to be a uh, quote, <laughs> she doesn't want to say it or whatever she whatever says whatever the word yeah whatever the word is for a grandma and um it felt very cool to see that rep- that particular specific x ex experience represented so i totally agree with you melissa it's like yeah. even after the devastation of breaking up or heartbreak or broken hearts you can have something that's still there yeah that feels valuable and worth like acknowledging.
1: Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. It made me think of an episode of Will and Grace. It was in the final season of the original run. And Grace runs into her ex-husband, Leo, played mm. by Harry Connick Jr. on a plane. And they end up having sex in the bathroom. And it's just so that she can be <laughs> pregnant throughout the last season. And anyway, but I I think in the end of that episode, they part ways, not intending to get back together. And Will says something like, She got to say goodbye. You
3: know what? I don't think I'll ever be able to say
0: goodbye. I kind of thought of that in this scene, that they'll never be over each other and not in a way like they're pining for one another. But like you said, just that that warmth will always be there. It will always be someone that I loved and someone who was significant. And the love didn't really go away we just like decided that it probably wasn't best for yeah. us to be together. Could they have made a life together? I think probably. Yeah. But maybe it is for the best. I mean, I still kind of think they, they should have, <laughs> but I get it. And at this point, yeah, <laughs> just move on. Yeah. But I but- was also really glad just as a viewer of the show that we got to have some closure about Mark mm-hmm. because, yeah. It really did feel, and you know, we saw him in season five, the very end. In uh, I think it was five nineteen, fraud alert. He told Sarah that he was engaged, so we had some indication that he was going to be okay. But it really did kind of feel like Sarah came into his life like a whirlwind and then just (laughs) left it in tatters. In a way, (laughs) I'm happy to know that he's happy and okay, and uh, is going to have all the things he wanted. It does seem very fast that like he was engaged at the end of season five. Now he's married (laughs) and they're almost going to deliver greater than six weeks away from having a baby. I don't know, but it's TV.
1: Well, and there was the there was the three month jump at some point in season six. We saw the like three months later that could help. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, she could have been pregnant before they got married.
1: You know. It's interesting because the story I'm about to tell is um, John Corbett, who is Seth, but now I'm thinking of Sex in the City. Um, They do a similar thing with his character, Aiden, where they break up in season four, and it's tumultuous. Like, kind of like this. They were engaged. I was really rooting for them. Aiden is a much better person than Big. Uh, Agreed. Agreed, (laughs) yes. And then, you remember this? He, like, shows up early season six with a baby yeah yeah Yeah. she like (laughs) sees him from behind and it's like oh maybe it was all leading back to Aiden the whole time but then he turns around and he's got a baby and on one hand (laughs) you're like good get the hell away from her (laughs) but on the other hand you're like doing the math like how long has this been you broke up at the end of season four this is like the beginning of season six how much time but then you're like the point is he's happy the point is he's done and I guess that's true with Mark here as well and fair but it really got me how they're still like like you guys were talking about like they're always going to like love each other on some level the way that they looked at each other when they saw each other unexpectedly at the play I'm like that's just never gonna be blasé is it like if they just see each other unexpectedly they'll both do a double take maybe forever that's interesting yeah, yeah.
2: I feel like that's true to my experience Yeah, with long-term relationships. I guess I should, I should specify like. Or significant I, ones. Yeah. The, yeah. Like, significant yeah. relationships. I don't think I could ever see that other person without some feeling of like oh. extra <laughs> energy and interest and curiosity. Yeah. And I actually did just see someone I dated way back when I was like 25 or 26. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I saw him. I just happened to be in his city for a conference and I saw him and it was really interesting. Yeah. He was, he has a, a significant other. I just was like, Oh, they're really right for each other.
1: Oh, that's nice. You know? And yeah. I didn't have any,
2: neither neither of us had any interest in getting back together, you know, and I met her and I was just like, Oh yeah, I can see why these two people are really right for one another. And I could see why maybe I was not quite the right, we were not quite the right fit. Yeah. It was definitely more intensity than just like, oh, I used to know you, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like we once knew each other back way back when we were in school together. It's just kind of interesting.
0: It feels so human to me because it's such a mix of emotions all at once. That there's such like, I think there's peace in that. Yeah in having the distance to recognize that, but then there's also pain in it. Cause you might always want to be like, but why couldn't I have been the right fit? And, mm. and then there's like, well, wishing, you know, wishing them well. Right. I, I think it's so compelling.
1: It is completely. I, I, I really thought this episode knocked that storyline out of the park. And, yeah. And I was really, really interested in Hank Asking Sarah if she was happy, primarily because he knew that Mark was not a threat. It became a much more interesting point, I think.
0: Yeah, he even said so when he yeah. asked the question. You're happy, right?
6: I mean, in general, you're, you're good? Because I, I got a lot of baggage. I know I got a, got a lot of stuff. I got the... I mean, I got a daughter who's, sometimes she's an angel, sometimes she's not. I got an ex-wife who's very volatile and I'm um, weird. And a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. And do you think that you, like, your life would be better or just simpler if, if you'd chosen him? I I, I know you're not going back to him. I know that. Not now. That's not what this is about. I'm just wondering. I guess I'm asking. Is this really where you want to be?
1: It's not jealousy. It's something deeper and more interesting. Like, do you think you made the right choice in your life? There's no going back. Are (laughs) you
0: settling for me?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I remember the first time I watched this episode years ago, I even when I liked Hank more than I have on this rewatch, I remember thinking, I don't know why she would be. Like, I don't know. I just thought she... He's so, like, all this drama with Sandy and everything. I think I was just like, no, I think that you run into Mark and have that conversation and you kick yourself is what you do. But I felt weirdly less like that this time. Caleb, how did, how did you feel? Because you had... Well,
0: what I wrote was I almost feel like what Hank was really asking was, did I deprive you of a happier life by pursuing you? Wow. And and I thought it's a fair question, (sighs) but also maybe irrelevant because Sarah made the choice she made. Yeah. No matter how unfairly Hank was like tipping the scales. You know, she she's a grown up. She decided she's the one that has to live with that. One thought that did occur to me is like it would be really daring for the show to have this be a realization for her that she wanted something else or deserved better or not going back to Mark. Like if she realized like, yeah, Mark's off the table and I know that. But it kind of woke me up to I did run away from the pain of losing that relationship into the comfort of having this one, even though this one is not really what I want. Now I'm not saying it should have been that. It just occurred to me as like, wow, that would have been a bombshell.
2: That would have been, yeah. I think it's interesting from a narrative perspective that because when he asked, like, "Are you happy with me?" and On the one hand, I, I I responded like, "Oh, I can understand why he'd ask that because he saw this encounter and he yeah. could see that energy, right? That like, what if energy." So we as viewers can see it and sarah and mark feel it but they say the past is the past wow it was an amazing past but it's done yeah we've moved on but it's almost like the show used hank's question to like allow that moment for sarah to once again confirm no I- i'm not traveling down the what if path i'm like here with you yeah. yeah and is it right after that or is it the previous conversation where he says you're not just my girlfriend
1: I think it's the previous one
0: yeah okay
2: I'm I guess I'm connecting them in my mind because I feel like he was trying Hank was trying to say even before that whole conversation with Mark happens like this is real this is serious you are not just some random person to me that I spend time with I want to integrate you into my family yeah. structure I don't know it's interesting it's almost like him asking are you happy allows Sarah to say yes. I want to be part of your family, even with all these like issues with your daughter, your issues with your ex, your issues with your like neurodiversity. I don't know. Does he, is he actually dead? Di- yes, he is. I think Diagnosed he, he like, at
1: least said that he thinks he has it. He was like, I don't yeah. think it's a yeah. jump ball. I think it's a slam dunk. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, besides all that, it's like the show's letting her declare it through his question. If that makes sense. Totally. It does.
0: And I think. It was another smart move on the show's part to interrupt that scene where he asks her with Ruby and Sandy. Oh, and that's so great. we don't get the answer <laughs> until another scene farther down the road. And then she finally answers him.
1: And she brings it up. She could have let it drop if she wasn't happy. <laughs> and for us,
0: the viewers, it just rings some more suspense out of like, well, maybe the answer is going to be something Not we really. don't expect. And it's exactly what I expected. but. You know, when you have to wait for it, it makes it more satisfying. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I will note it is almost hysterically funny how much chemistry she and Jason Ritter have. Like the second, the second that Hank and Sandy go tend to Ruby and they're alone together, and they're like, "Did not expect this plot twist," and they're like, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, "Oh my god!" She just never laughs like that with Hank. I think that's okay. I I, th- I think the whole point of Hank ended up being it's like this mature grown-up serious relationship but part of me is like where there's not a lot of laughter <laughs> like and yeah. the, there's, it's more drama and seriousness but that's okay you know yeah
0: and there is. is an aspect of her and hank that i do like which is that it feels especially in this episode like she's just deciding mm-hmm. like that it's a decision and it's pretty unromantic in that regard
1: yeah
0: but it's like yeah hank doesn't sweep me off my feet and i don't feel like i'm you know walking on clouds when i'm with him but i find a lot of value in what we have and it's messy but i'm going to decide that this is the path for me and i'm not going to think about those what ifs
1: yeah yeah which is different from settling i think deciding is different from settling yeah
0: Yeah. i'm still not sure if i totally agree with her but you know i do respect it because i think she has arrived at it at at this point yeah now she has put in sufficient thought yeah and i think she knows what she's getting into i do too i did write though like when she answered and was like hank is one lucky son of a bitch (laughs) (laughs) that this all worked out for him he got the girl
1: yep What do I think of the little runner that like Sandy thought Mark was hot? I just thought that was sort of funny. (laughs) Like, and I also, as you know, love the character of Mark, yet I thought it was sort of a like unexpected thing because I actually don't think he's all that hot. Like it's, I, I mostly love him because he's so charming and funny, you know, it's, it's like after you talk to him for a while, I don't think he's the sort of person you see and you're like, oh my God. Do you know what I, so I thought it was funny. I think in
0: real life, if he were your high school English teacher, I guess he might might (laughs) have the reputation, (laughs) but when you're on a TV show and everyone is gorgeous. Yeah. The impact is lessened. (laughs) That's a good point. He's as attractive as everyone. (laughs) Construction worker over here.
1: Yeah. There's no one unattractive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: They added that just to make it like, extra awkward (laughs) it's awkward enough to run into your ex unexpectedly that's awkward one awkward two you're with your current person yeah Yeah. awkward three that current person's ex is sitting next to current person saying your ex (laughs) is hot meanwhile your ex is up on stage saying he's an English teacher but he quote doesn't know anything about drama I'm like I think you probably know something haven't you taught Shakespeare yeah I, w- I mean obviously I'm no theater expert I am definitely not but like I know like at least a little something but I was like well you're substituting for somebody I
1: don't know if you gotta say you know nothing anyway, yeah
2: I was just <laughs> also random, like Mark in front her. of a
0: whole audience. Moment.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he also like read Sarah's play and told her it was a play. Like, so he knows something about drama. <laughs> it was just funny. yeah, it yeah. was. Anyway, I thought,
2: wow, this is getting really awkward. She's like, yeah, he's pretty hot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's true. It also is great because. I almost think it, it gave Sandy reason to like be impressed or something like anyone could date my loser ex-husband <laughs> according to her but wow <laughs> you you chose him my my husband ex-husband over him like I don't know that's kind of right. interesting
2: I guess also there was the age difference and mm. I think Hank is supposed to be the same age maybe I'm assuming the same age as Sarah or maybe like a few years age. older
1: yeah, yeah like,
2: I can't remember what the age difference was between Mark and Sarah it was is it like, I think 12
1: years, I think 12,
2: I think. Okay. So he's in his like thirties and she's in her
1: forties. Yeah. I think when he, his first season, he was 26 and she was 38. And so now it's five years wow. later.
2: Yeah. I did not know that. Uh, this is making me think uh, I always perceived him as older than that from the get-go, but maybe I,
1: he's just so mature and I together, just, you know? Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe also he has facial hair. Did he have facial hair at the beginning? Yeah. I yeah. always had that ridiculous.
0: He always thing. kind of has it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Okay.
1: Yeah. Real quick about Greece. It, why was, sh- why was Ruby wearing the good Sandy quote unquote outfit at the end Wouldn't she have been bad girl Sandy at the end?
0: Oh, good point. I mean, I wondered why are you wearing your costume out into the lobby at all? But I can't remember back. I mean, maybe that happens in high school.
1: Yeah, I think it does. Because I sometimes go to my students' plays and they come out wearing their cute little outfits and... You know, but, but I was like, you would be wearing leather and like your hair would be all teased. You'd be bad, Sandy. Like, yeah.
0: Um, (laughs) Something I couldn't remember or in my experience in high school and even college theater, we never had understudies. Really? Huh. And it's something I see a lot on TV shows. I'm like, never heard of this.
1: What happens if someone gets sick? They don't. Ah. (laughs) I I mean,
0: I don't know. It, It has never happened to me in educational theater.
1: I don't know what to say about that.
0: I don't either.
1: Okay. Let's say nothing.
0: But I thought, you know, like when Savannah decided she felt better and wanted to go on and Sandy's like, well, that's not fair to Ruby. I was trying to think, okay, what would actually happen like in the professional world? Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And I thought, well, in the professional world, if the principal wants to go on, they go on. Yeah, The understudy knows what their job is. And that understudy can't just decide, well, I don't want to be in my ensemble (laughs) part tonight. Nope, but in the real professional world, they're getting paid for it, so that does exert some leverage.
1: Yeah, that checks out.
0: Well, Mark, it was nice knowing you. It was. <laughs> it was less nice knowing Chris. <laughs> oh,
1: nice transition, yeah.
0: At least I thought so. I thought he was a pouty
1: uh, baby in this episode. Okay, well, my
0: first question in the whole storyline, was Chris being a voice of reason when he was saying, you know, just get him, take them with the papers, get him to sign? Or was he butting into Julia's business?
1: I thought he was butting into her business. And I thought he was finally giving me a reason to not like him. Because, Ruth, this whole time I've been like, "There's no, I just don't like him, but there's no real reason. And this time I was like, there, there it is. I don't know. And I even get it after all this time together. But I still thought, she doesn't owe you a divorce from her husband as fast as you want her to. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I just thought... Um, if you're gonna be in this relationship with her, that's what it is. Like that's, you you know, like you got into this thing before the divorce papers were, were signed. I don't, I I don't, I I certainly don't think he helped his case in this episode. Like, no, but anyway, what did you guys think? I I
2: agree. I didn't quite know how long they'd been dating. I didn't know that timeline, but maybe five months i mean okay, it's, okay. It was, At they least-
0: dated back in college too i think so it was like okay. they have a history but they've only been together yeah a couple
2: months yeah and i think it's fair so i was torn too because i think it's totally fair for him to say like what is going on what is the future here like are you actually going to like divorce this guy because if you're not then this relationship is maybe not going to go as far as i wanted to But the way that he didn't pick up on the fact that, like, she basically wasn't ready Mm -hmm. and he kept saying, you should do this. I felt like that's where he sort of crossed the line into territory where it's like, this isn't working for you. So I actually was glad that he kind of, well, I guess he didn't really get what he he didn't really just. Yeah. Wasn't there a scene in the office? Yes. He finally says, like. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't get a divorce, it's over. And so he's, he
8: gives us hard boundary. Hi. Hey. How'd it go? Fine. It was fine, Chris. It was fine. It was harder than I thought, so I didn't bring up the papers. Doesn't mean I'm not... <clears throat> doesn't mean I'm having second thoughts, okay? I don't want to talk about
4: it. Though. Okay. Jules, where does... Um, where does that leave us?
8: In the same place. Nothing has changed, Chris.
4: Exactly. Nothing has changed.
8: Yeah, we're fine.
4: You know, actually we're not. We're not fine. I um I need something I need something to change, Jules. I need something more than this. I, I want something more than this. And if this isn't going to move forward, I don't it know. It is
8: moving forward. I just I need more time to figure things out. I, say, you I don't tell know me how what
4: more time looks like. Please come on. What it is looks it a week? I'm is it gonna... a day? Is it a month? Is I it can't a year? Calendar is it Six it for months? You. Actually, Get I... out of my
8: face, Chris! Look, I... I don't want to talk about it right no, now. No,
4: you know what? Actually, we do need to talk about this right now. I have been more than patient with you. I have done everything I possibly can, and I don't think that it's a matter of time, Julia. I don't think that it matters how much time I give you because I think you're still in love with your husband. I
8: have kids with the man. Yes, I have feelings for him. It's not. That simple. Stop pressuring me.
7: Pressuring you. Okay, Julia. All right, pressure's off.
2: I was like, that's fine. That's actually fair. If you don't want to be with someone who's not yet divorced, then walk away. Cool. You made the right call. But yeah, I was I felt like he'd pushed too much before finally saying, okay, I'm done
1: yeah
0: yeah his approach i think to an extent he does deserve to have some answers to his questions like yes when he was saying well how long do you you know you need more time do you mean like weeks do you mean months do you mean years
1: but did you hear how calm you sounded when you said that
0: exactly yeah <laughs> and and I, I put like much like a braverman He's insisting that right now is the only time to discuss it. Yeah. And Julia, I thought was fantastic. I loved how she she literally said, "Get out of my face." Yeah. <laughs> and then she said, "Stop pressuring me." She was drawing real boundaries and it's like good for you cuz I it can be hard. Yeah. I think to stand up to that kind of pressure. But yeah, I I I noted the same thing. He's dating a married woman. He has to respect all that goes along with that. Yeah. The most interesting thing I think he brought up was that he thought she was still in love with her husband. And I thought if he thinks that, then that should be a conversation, but he's making it sound like an accusation. Like yeah. she's withholding something that he thinks he has a right to. And I, that did not sit well with me. If Instead it was like, I think from the outside, what I observe is that maybe you're dragging your feet because you actually want something else. And if you do, I think I deserve to know that before I get invested even more. Yeah. And yeah, that does sound calm. And and then I'd be like, he. He's right. Has a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> like
2: I was also sort of struck by the fact that all of these conversations seem to be happening, like mostly at work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking you two work together and you're in this relationship where the one person clearly wants like a certain timeline to be occurring and the other person is clearly very confused that other person being Julia which is like both are fair in their positions it's okay for Julia to be confused it's confusing yeah it's okay for Chris to want more but they don't want the same thing and they probably should not be trying to make it work yeah right now yeah like (laughs) because Julia I think wants it to work but also doesn't want it to work and she just kind of wants it to work and not work at the same time both with Joel and Chris. Yeah, and I'm like, I can relate to that a lot. But unfortunately, people, humans only like to live in ambiguity for so long. <laughs> <Most laughs> kind of just need to know eventually what is going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I certainly don't blame Chris for being frustrated after all this time. And it's not like anybody can be expected to be their best selves constantly. And I feel a little bad that I was like, okay, good. You finally gave me a reason to justify not liking you when I'm like, it's literally his only misstep. And he's frustrated. You know, it's not like he calls her a name or is like cruel. He's also
0: got his tie loosened at the office. That bothered me. Like <laughs> they're in the office, they're all walking around. Everyone is in lovely office attire and he's wearing his suit and tie, but his collar's unbuttoned and the tie is loosened. I'm like, is it six o'clock? I don't <laughs> You're still on the clock, buddy. We got a dress code. He just
1: thinks he's so cool. I don't know. There's Yeah, so, I, I thought just, it
0: actually did speak volumes.
1: That's interesting. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I don't know. The the whole way they, they that he spoke to her, I thought he seemed very entitled. And I really hate that quality more than just about any quality in anyone. Um and so I think maybe that was it where I thought a lot of his feelings were completely justified. But the way he was going about it, no, I, I just, I, I just thought, what does she owe you? You've been dating, I think, pretty casually for a few months. Like, compare that to a decade plus of marriage with two kids. If you want to make something work with her, I don't think this approach is going to get you there. You know, I think continuing to be patient is is the, the only road and maybe maybe there's nothing he could have done because ultimately i think he's right and she is in love with joel so it's all moot i guess you know it's like a cow's yeah. opinion doesn't matter just
0: doesn't matter it's
1: moot <laughs> so that's a friend's <laughs> anyway
0: well similarly i have a question for you I thought is Joel having that dinner with Julia in this restaurant where they apparently have all this history with the waiter who knows them ordering the dish they always get. Is that thoughtful and romantic or Or is it manipulative or both? Both.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think both. I don't know. I was so confused about and I know I've been listening to your episodes and I watched a couple episodes prior to this episode the actual show and so I know that Julia even though she did wrong and she says that at the at that lunch yeah right she's like I know, and I know I do I do feel bad about what happened with Ed but it's like she's so fixated on Joel having quote given up on and not quote fighting for their relationship I'm like wait what yeah. I just don't, I can't wrap my mind around it because I feel like if I were the person who'd sort of wronged the other person in my relationship and they were having trouble mm-hmm. wanting to come back, and I would be like, I get why you have trouble. Yeah. I want to help you trust me again. Or, but I just, I, I, the whole blockage there, I, I don't quite understand why she's just like, no. You didn't give me a second chance immediately, so screw your no. second chance
1: now. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. I just I'm so
1: confused, but
2: regardless of my confusion there, I I feel like he was laying it on so thick. So it's interesting that him and Chris, despite, you know, being different guys, took a sort of and taking different approaches had like a similar weird kind of like eh,
1: like strong effect. arm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Well, your confusion is understandable because Julia has not admitted to wrongdoing until this episode.
1: Basically. That for oh. me
0: was the big headline of this dinner.
1: Yeah.
9: You know, I was sitting here thinking about all the, all the dreams I had back in those days, you know, um, for us, creating a life together and starting a family and how we were gonna be this just incredible team. And we did that, I mean, Julia, we did that. And then when things derailed last year, I I was so confused and hurt about whatever happened with Ed
8: I don't think that I don't beat myself up about that. I'm I'm fully aware uh, that I... It doesn't
9: matter. It doesn't matter what happened. I am in the wrong. It doesn't matter what happened with Ed. Because I am the one who walked out. I walked out on you. And I walked out on our kids. You know, I took a vow to you. I made a vow when we got married that I would, that I would uphold our marriage. Good times and bad, and all that. And I failed. I failed you. And I felt such shame, Julia. I mean, I felt like I didn't even deserve to be in your life anymore. But so long as as you're my wife, so long as we're still married, I'm gonna do everything in my power to uphold those vows. I love you so much, I have never stopped loving you. And I am gonna honor you for the rest of my days. If you'll
0: have me. There, they were both accountable for the mistakes that they made. And Julia was the most surprising to me because she's never flat out said it like that. Like, I was in the wrong.
1: Yeah. It was nice to hear. I don't
0: think she would have denied it Mm -hmm. up to now. It's not like she has never made any reference to that. But she has never had a moment to Joel's face where she was like, I did something I shouldn't have done. Yeah, I, I don't feel she like. was
1: always like it wasn't an affair. Like yeah, She was always like kind of defending it, I thought. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then Joel laying it on so thick. I had mixed feelings about because <laughs> like he says, you know, what she did with Ed doesn't matter. And I, I do think that ultimately, if they were to reconcile, Joel would need to be able to say that whatever happened with Ed didn't matter and mean it. But I don't think he can skip the step. Where it does matter because Julia took vows too. Yeah. And she failed him too. And his pain was legitimate and real. Has he processed that and genuinely forgiven her? If so, then I celebrate that. But I I don't think that we've seen that. The show hasn't let us in on that part of Joel's inner life yet. And I just worry that he, he just knows what needs to happen for her to take him back. And he'll just do it without anything actually being resolved, which is exactly their way at their modus operandi.
1: It is sad because I think this storyline had so much potential and it's not like I think it's a misfire or anything, but rather than him making a reservation in this place that has all this history and and being charming, which I did think that he was and it was kind of cute. But I thought, man, it would have been so much cooler. I think if they had both had some real conversations that answered a lot of these questions that we've had all season, and and really addressed their lack of communication in the past. And then I think them getting back together, if that is in fact what happens at the end of this episode when they like make out, because I was assuming that's what it meant. But then I'm like, maybe it doesn't. Maybe Julia will be like, "This was a mistake," you know. So we'll <laughs> we'll we'll see. But I think that would have felt more joyous then because it would have been so well earned and it would have been like, you guys didn't just have a storyline that was there for audiences benefit where it was like, oh, let's break up a beloved couple and then just randomly get them back together just for the drama's sake. It would have felt like, oh, you guys worked through something and now you understand each other and yourselves better. And I just don't feel like we got that.
0: That's such a good point. It's like the show is invested in Joel's gestures, his grand gestures. I'm going to take you back to where it all began. And instead of the nitty gritty of hashing out the conflict, like what if when she said, I was in the wrong, what if he said, wow, I feel like I've never heard you say that before? Yeah. And what if that was news to her? What if she said, really? I feel like all I've been doing is taking responsibility for this. And then they could actually get to the bottom of like, oh, we were not hearing each other. Yeah. You you thought you were communicating that message. I wasn't hearing it. I hear it now. What's the difference? What did you do now that made me really hear it? Because that means a lot to me to hear you say that. And it's going to help me forgive you. Yeah. And it, yeah, they didn't do it yet.
1: And I actually think that's more romantic. We ate
0: chicken parm here and made plans for the future. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The waiter wants us together. Come on.
1: <laughs> the waiter is a substitute for the audience. Like I, don't <laughs> so. I almost feel
2: like I have like an outsider perspective, just having not kind of like really paid attention to the every step on this like drama and just kind of having the broad strokes from listening to you all and watching a few episodes yeah it was so confusing because joel was i don't debasing himself is too much of a harsh word for what was occurring but like he was just pouring out like yeah i am so sorry and i did not do what i had promised to do and me remembering kind of what julia's attitude had been along the way i was so confused like why are you doing that joel because she yeah. needs to meet you halfway yes and then she yes. had that follow-up uh conversation with her mom
8: yeah i just keeps growing up my life oh yeah how do you keep doing that well i just ruined a really good thing with a really good guy that guy chris mm-hmm. from the barbecue mm-hmm. what happened what'd you do i just i i couldn't cut the cord with joel He's making this so hard, it's. How? Well, he wants to get back together. That's a good thing. I know. know? I know. I know you would think that it's just that I have taken so long to get to be okay without him. And so he chooses now that's. You're just talking about timing. Sometimes timing sucks. And no, it's not just timing. He bailed on me. Yeah, he screwed up. Haven't you ever screwed up? No, I screwed up huge. Obviously, that's what got us here. I mean, I know that, but I never gave up the fight. This is the first time we were really tested, and I really needed him. and he was weak.
9: You know what marriage is, sweetie? You know what it's about? Forgiveness.
3: I don't think
8: I
2: can. Again, where is Julia's reflection on like the push and pull that was between them even before Ed came on the scene? Yeah. There wasn't a good balance to the way that they thought about their careers. Yeah. And parenting and then I if I remember correctly there was like a ba- big battle over like how to help Victor. Yes. You know yeah. with his reading and it's just like you two are in a power struggle. And I'm not sure Joel kind of doing these romantic gestures, like solves it. Right. It doesn't. Yeah. I totally agree with you too. Like it, it doesn't feel for those of us who are like, wait a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought this show is all about, well, this show is about not talking and then like learning finally to talk it through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're looking for that talk it through part.
3: Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, you raised such a good point that, I think it can be easy to focus on Ed and ignore that there were lots of other issues. Ed was a symptom, I think, of larger problems, not a problem unto himself. I will say, though, Julia's scene with Camille was the closest I think I've come to understanding her perspective. Again, she owns up to her mistakes. She says, "I messed up hugely,"
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I was like, "I can't get enough of hearing you, yeah, <laughs> take accountability for that." Could it? I haven't heard it, or I feel like I haven't, and it makes me think of Melissa saying, "Like I can forgive anything if you own it, own it." But when she says he bailed on me, and I really needed him, and he was weak, weak,
3: hmm.
0: I feel like is maybe a misstep, but I get what she's saying. I thought. It made me think of when Amber chewed out her father. She Mm. said, there were lots of times I really needed you and you were not there for me. And I thought, oh, if that's what Julia is saying, then I really do feel for her because I thought, you know, you're in a marriage with someone. And one of those vows is like, we're in this together for any problems that either come from without or from within. And so, yes, this one did come from within, and a lot of it came straight from Julia. Yeah. She was endangering their relationship. But if she felt like she knew that and she was willing to work with him together to save it, and then she turns for him and he's not there.
3: Yeah.
0: That would really hurt. And it would make you think, like, can I trust you when the going gets tough? can I count on you to be there? And now in this like toughest thing we faced, you're not there. And especially someone like Julia, who is so independent. I don't think she likes needing people.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) I think she might think, well, cut them loose. You just, I I cannot be this vulnerable. And if I'm in charge of myself, it also made me think of that episode of Gilmore girls where Emily says that it's
5: like a canoe. What's like a canoe life okay you are just paddling along in a canoe mother have you ever been in a canoe
0: your father and I've been paddling a canoe together for years only now he's dropped the paddle ah He just dropped it not only that but now the canoe is going in circles oh without your father there I'm paddling on my side and the canoe is spinning in circles and the harder I paddle the faster it spins and it's hard work and
5: I'm getting tired dizzy I would think you ...are in a kayak. You know how to do all of this. How does it put me in a kayak? Kayaks have paddles with things on both ends. You steer it by yourself. You're not dependent on
7: anyone.
0: You're independent. I am kayak. Hear me roar. I could see Julia being like, okay, my canoe is spinning. Fuck this. I'm getting in a kayak.
1: <laughs> Except she never does. Yeah, Earlier, you yeah, said... Yeah, she goes right to Chris. Yeah, because you said she's independent, but I'm like... Is she? Because like Joel has been spending this time by himself reflecting, I think. And That's he's true. come to the conclusion that he's entirely in the wrong, which isn't true. But I, I, I mean, it's okay. Again, no no judgment on like a person's choices. But I would have expected someone as independent. Like I would have perceived her as independent. But it is interesting. Like we just can't see her alone. The first time there's like issues with, with Joel, she has the emotional thing with Ed she feels bad about herself after the official separation, so she sleeps with Evan. Then she's like in a pretty serious thing, I guess, with Chris. I just wonder, boy, if she would have just been like, I need to just focus on me, what would that have That's looked a good like? Point. Yeah, but what, yeah.
0: whatever. Well, and Camille <laughs> mentions timing, and I did note that, like, I think timing was another misstep the show made in this storyline. Julia says at least twice in this episode that she made mistakes. If she'd been showing that kind of self-awareness and contrition while Joel was throwing his hands up and walking away, I think I would have been much more on her side much sooner. Yeah. But I feel like once he moved out... Then there was never any reflection on her mistakes. She was badgering him about whether she could see other people. Yeah. Not telling him, I know I messed up. Why are you doing this? Yeah. It's like, if they introduced that element sooner, I think I would have felt more genuinely conflicted and not just confused because it wasn't actually adding up.
1: Yeah.
2: What you're saying is making me more sympathetic to her. And it's also reminding me of kind of like people I know who are in the minority, I would say, but. A few people I know when somebody like crosses them or they have a breakup or whatever, it's like, it, they're done. Oh. And that's it. And in some ways I'm like, I'm over here in Greyland zone. I'm like, maybe I can understand why you did this horrible thing and we'll talk it through, you know? Oh. And like, sure. Second chances. How about 15th chance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and I probably also, you know, ask for that kind of thing myself So there's a little part of me that admires the people that are just like, the bridge is burnt. Yeah. And I wonder if Julia maybe was a little bit like that, even though she didn't really earn it. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying, Caleb, like, she's just like, you're not with me. So you're not with me. Yeah. This, there's no conversation to be had. And it's not fair. And Joel didn't deserve that. And maybe that helps me understand her a little more. Um, She is kind of like always, her character is always sort of painted as like very like stereotypical lawyer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Rigid and, ambitious and you know yeah not really interested in like the nuances or ambivalence or ambiguity or like let's wait and see if victor's reading improves no it's an emergency yeah
1: absolutely
3: she She goes nuclear yeah
1: yeah
0: well i wonder if the conflict they're showing within her in this episode is that she wants to be a bridge burner and is maybe discovering that she doesn't actually have it in her you know she goes over there with the papers like we need to sign them like it's like her head knows this is the right thing to do this is the smart thing to do if you're not with me you're not with me but then her heart is not as on board
1: yes her (laughs) using the word weak is fascinating because I I wondered if men respond to the word weak the way that sometimes women respond to words like like shrill or like emotional or something like they feel like words that would be particularly dismissive of one sex. Like, I don't know. I feel like calling a woman weak is different because, like, oh, they're supposed to be or something, but men are supposed to be strong. They're the
0: weaker sex. They're
1: the weaker, yeah, (laughs) according to, you know, so many. God, that's
0: dismissive.
1: (laughs) But I think that's how a lot of people see it, honestly. But, like, Julia, you know, everything's gender-flipped. She prides herself on her strength, I think, maybe even more than most women do. And so I wonder if, like, her saying Joel was weak because he left, and now, ironically, she's trying to be strong by leaving. It's an interesting yeah. it's an interesting thing. I don't know. Like, now she thinks it's weak if she forgives him or something.
0: Yeah. I don't know. That's, that, it's bizarre. Yeah. You know, there is an element of... Um, you know, Camille says, you know what marriage is about? Forgiveness. And Camille should know. Boom, boom. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Well, <laughs> and, I, and I do think that sometimes, I mean, I've never been married. I've never been in a, you know, long-term relationship. But I watch this and I think if there's going to be a reconciliation, I feel like the key is you have to abandon any kind of tit for tat, mm-hmm. keeping tally. Like, well, Julia started it because she did the thing with Ed and... Like at some point,
1: you have to let that go. People are
0: going to just have to say, yep, I did some bad stuff. You did some bad stuff. Who did worse stuff cannot matter if we're going to yeah. forge ahead. So maybe Joel has reached that place genuinely. And maybe Julia's just struggling. I do just still find it a little strange because I'm holding on to that tally. I'm like, Julia did a lot more stuff. Like all <laughs> Joel did was leave. <laughs> No, but if that hurt her, then, you know, she has to figure out how she deals with that. And if it if it hurts sufficiently that she cannot trust him again, she's got to be honest with herself about that. And if she can trust him again, then don't sign those papers. Did he sign them? I could not really. I don't think he did. I don't think
2: he did. She did.
0: She did. She was just like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) it felt so strange to me, like the whole thing was some sort of test that julia was subjecting him to and i'm like well is the right answer to refuse to sign them and fight for the marriage or is the right answer to give her what she wanted even if that meant letting her go it's like oh you're like dand if you do dand if you don't he (laughs) seemed to pass yeah they made out then they made out
1: i wanted to be happier about it than i was because i was almost like exhausted by the time they did i'm like good I don't know. It's terrible. (laughs) But I think, yeah, after a certain time, like, I really do think there's like fatigue if you like mess with a couple like too much. Like, I don't know. I I, I think at some point that the whole Ross and Rachel thing, you're just like, I don't know that I care. But I mean, what's odd. Yeah.
0: What's odd, though, is I feel like the whole marital struggle storyline would have benefited from being much more spread out. Yeah. The I was like, the unraveling should have taken longer because beginning of season five, they were fine. Yeah. And uh, but the unraveling should have taken longer. Life after Joel should have taken longer. Like when Julia says in that scene, it's taken me so long to move on. It? <laughs> I can't I can't help but feel like it rings hollow. It's like it just actually hasn't been that long. Yeah like, in real life, if someone had been struggling in their marriage for what they deemed a long time, I would assume that meant years.
1: Yeah.
0: Many years. Yeah. And it's like you're just not there. But maybe that's unfair because it's like it, it would suck however long that's it, true. struggle. Yeah. You know.
1: And ultimately it was very well acted and yeah, I would rather them be together than not. I just feel like it was one of those storylines that was so close. Like, it just had such potential. Yeah. I really did like the reasons why Joel left. I thought they were interesting. Just not being appreciated and stuff like that. And I hate that in his, like, pursuit to get her back, it's kind of like the whole narrative becomes, oh, I was wrong. I overreacted. I don't think you yeah. were, and I don't and think you grovelated. did. Yeah. yeah, why can't you guys actually just work through it? Ah, but whatever. It's fine. Could I just bring up real quick an example of my favorite breakup getting back together that I've ever seen on television? Yeah. Okay. It was on Felicity. Ben and Felicity get together very very briefly and then break up almost immediately. And it didn't just feel like to create drama or whatever. He was very freaked out because he like overheard her tell someone that she was in love with him. And he like Kind of couldn't handle that. Even though I think he was actually in love with her too. But he wasn't like ready for it. He just like emotionally shut down. So he got the hell out. He broke up with her. And she gives him this great speech about how he wants something real with her. But he's too afraid to have it. And um, he's going to look back on leaving her with great regret. And it's going to be too late. And it's really sad. It's such a great speech. And then she goes <laughs> and chops all her hair off anyway. But... Um, then at the end of the season, when he is trying to win her back, he has to like convince her that he's ready for this now. He's like, I know it won't be a casual thing. I know that you love me. I love you. I was scared before, but I've I've worked on that. I'm I'm ready for this. And she doesn't trust him. She's like, I don't know. Why should I believe you now? You just left before. And like, he has to sort of prove it that he's changed and that he can handle it. And I just feel like, All this character growth happens um, for both of them. And so then by the time they get back together, it didn't feel like a show just randomly breaking up a couple and getting them back together for drama's sake. Like, it just really... I guess that's the sort of thing I was looking for here. Like, actually work through something, you know? Yeah, what
0: are the issues? What have you done to address them? Yeah.
1: And then you're so satisfied. How will you
0: prevent this from happening again?
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: All right, well, I think I'm ready. Okay, all right. To ease in... To the whole Max storyline. Uh, Let's start with some fun facts.
5: I know one of them, I bet.
0: It's Parents Night at Chambers Academy. We've got a lot of friends of the show there, I think. First of all, this isn't a friend of the show, but Mr. and Mrs. Jones, who played Dylan's parents, are actually married in real life. I didn't know that. It's an that. actual husband and wife. Wow. And the wife, Anita Barone, was the original Carol on Friends. Oh! <gasps>
1: Yeah, she was. Oh, my God. Just that one episode. Yeah. I think just
0: the one episode. And then for the rest of the series, she was played by, I think, Jane Sibbett. That sounds right. But yeah. New Barone was there first.
1: Ah, yeah. Ross's lesbian ex-wife, in case. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah.
0: Amy, that student in the first scene, was played by Phoebe Kadams, Jason Kadams' daughter. Oh, yeah. And Kathleen Kadams, who's Jason Kadams' wife, is credited as playing parent number one, But Christina calls her Kathy. Oh, Kathy, nice to see you here. That's Jason Kadem's wife. And Amy's mom, you know, Phoebe's mother. And then the other two parents are played by Tom and Liz Zaret, who I would assume are married because they have the same name. They have no other acting credits, which made me wonder if they're just friends of someone on the show. (laughs) So I sort of... (laughs) Google stalked them and it did reveal that there was a lawyer and an interior designer based in LA by the names of Tom and Liz Zaret. Now that could be a coincidence, but maybe they're like Jason Kadom's lawyer and interior designer. I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is so fun. You didn't say the one I thought you were going to say because it was driving me crazy. I was like, where do I know Dylan's dad? He is Glenn Guglia in The Wedding Singer. He's Drew Barrymore's asshole fiance. And Adam Sandler's all like, Julia's married name is going to be Julia Guglia. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, why is that funny? Because he's like humorless, you know? Um, and I I found the actor so warm that it took me the entire episode before I realized he was Glenn Guglia, the supervillain of... The wedding singer. Anyway. You all have a good
2: eye. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed that in that scene when the kerfuffle occurs. Yeah. One of the parents is like hardcore staring. There's like a woman in the front <laughs> of the crowd. And maybe that's Jason Kadem's wife. I don't I don't know. That would be fun. It would be funny if it was, but it was like very much meant to kind of evoke like shock. And she's just kind of like, oh, you know, like <laughs>
9: looking.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what? Wow.
1: Sort of posed. (laughs) It's a pretty shocking thing. Okay, Max,
8: we've been over this a million times. Can you just stop? No, I am more hygienic than he is. Max, Max,
3: people are going to come in here. Can you erase that? Taller
8: than he is. I am more attractive. Max, can you please erase that?
0: So I have a proof up here of why you should like me. Max, can you erase that? Unless
9: you you give me a logical reason why you like him more. there's no logical reason. That's not how it works. Okay, I'm just not interested in you in that way.
0: Is it because I haven't demonstrated my physical affection, which means I'm now in the friend zone?
9: No, oh, Max,
8: it wasn't that. Okay.
0: Demonstrating physical affection is a very difficult concept for me, but I can, I can Max, try.
4: Max,
8: Max,
10: please stop the key. Max! Okay. Max, you're so harassing me, please! Wait, ma- what? what? Okay. No!
0: What
9: is? See, this is why I asked you to switch partners, OK?
10: Dylan, I am oh. so sorry That is, there's a misunderstanding of Max.
0: Team Dylan. Yeah. (laughs) I was so glad that she spoke to Christina the way that she did. Yeah. Because I thought, I mean, just dropping into this episode at first, I was like, how long has it been? And later the parents say he's been harassing her for over a week. But I thought after what happened in the last episode, what sense does it make to force her to be partners with him? Like, well, you got to learn how to move on. Yeah. Eventually not next week. Christina should have listened to her and I'm glad that she said you should have listened to me. Do you see what happened?
1: I think that might be her biggest misstep as an educator yet, because this happens all the time. Two students have like an issue and like we have things in place called no contact orders, which are like little mini restraining orders almost where like two students are not supposed to be near each other because of some sort of issue. And if, a student ever approached me and said, I am not comfortable with this person as a partner. I I would never in a million years be like, well, you have to be partners. Like you just, I, I was like, this is clearly someone who has never been an educator because, or someone who's just so blinded because the person she's talking about is her son. I mean, I guess it's both, but I just thought this should never have happened. Like, and, and for her to even be so naive as to pair them together after the outburst. But of course she did because she told Max that she was proud of him for his his declarations the last time we were, we were there. I, I
0: just... And Dylan, for Dylan to even have the courage to go tell her, Yes. Can you switch us? I don't like this. I mean, that's like model behavior. I would imagine lots of students would not feel courageous enough. To, well, I can't say anything. But she did. And then to ignore it.
1: Yes, and then, when we're in that scene and seeing what Max is doing, how bad did you guys think that was?
2: Part of me is wonders like how realistic Max's behavior is, but I honestly wouldn't know. Yeah, um, but I understand that there could be an instance where someone with neurodiversity would not understand that like they should just stop. And I get that's what we're exploring here. When I saw that go down, I felt bad for everyone involved and like I felt even worse when Max looked up the definition of harassment. Yeah. And he himself seems to be saying, I harassed her. Hey Max. Hi
4: buddy. Uh, We want to talk to you about what happened with Dylan because I feel like we owe you an apology. I don't feel like we really gave you the full picture about what can happen in uh, relationships. Remember when we talked about the number scale and how things can change? Well, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're just stuck because the two people want different things.
1: That's confusing.
4: It, it is confusing. How are you supposed
10: thing. to tell when the scale is fluid and when it isn't?
4: That's exactly what we want to talk to you about.
10: Sometimes it's just difficult, you know, and you can't. Um, you just sort of gauge it on how the person responds, you know, mm-hmm. and what they're telling you. And you also have to respect their wishes, like with Dylan, you know. Um,
4: you might want to be closer to her than she wants to be to you. It's kind of like when you get a hug from someone, even me. Sometimes I'll try and hug you and you don't want that. So I'll respect that boundary and I won't keep hugging you. And Dylan may have felt overwhelmed. And by what she you were just doing.
10: interpreted it differently than how you were giving it.
4: Dylan said I was harassing her. Okay, well, you weren't harassing her. <sighs> Dude, you... okay, Max, harassment is
8: defined as aggressive or intimidating pressure. I was only trying to do nice things.
10: Yes, and you were doing you were. nice things. Then it
4: was just too much for Dylan. We're just suggesting that you pay a little more attention to the feedback you're getting from other people so you can figure out what their boundaries are does that make sense
2: but your son is actually convicting himself here i think he's right yeah he harassed her. he harassed her and he's learning that that is bad and it sucks he did something bad and and i think i agree with you both that it it probably could have been prevented but i have this sense that christina like almost <laughs> one wanted nothing bad to happen but two was like very happy that max is like exploring relationship like romantic feelings yeah and she doesn't want to cut that off even though she also understands that dylan doesn't reciprocate yeah it's actually a little bit like julia's like i both want joel to sign the papers and don't want him to sign the papers (laughs) i both want to be with chris and not you know it's like but in these scenarios you cannot have it both ways yeah you can't have max you know wanting to be with dylan Knowing full well that Dylan did not want that, but you want Max to, to have that experience of wanting someone yeah. because you're so excited as his parent that that probably indicates like a certain future for him, you know, that he will have relationships, romantic relationships, perhaps in the future. And I can see that Christina and Adam have always worried about him and his future. That's an exciting development, right? Like he's developing some adult parts of himself. And I almost sense that they wanted to keep that going. Weirdly. Yeah. But this is the consequence. He harassed her. So yes, I yeah, I thought it was a bad situation all around.
0: Yeah. And I thought the specific incident was terrible. While like I recognize that it could have been much worse in terms of the level of severity. Like I think he was holding her hand or something. Yes, it would have been worse if he was touching her somewhere else. And I don't think she was physically harmed in that interaction but the larger lesson is so egregious that it feels like thunder needs to rain down on him metaphorically. (laughs) Like, like it needs to be made abundantly clear again in that moment, Dylan was being the model student. She literally said, you're harassing me. How many people getting harassed are going to call out the harasser in the moment? I do not think that is a typical response. So even when faced with the most explicit indication that he needed to stop, he didn't. Yeah. You cannot let that go unchecked. And the fact that they were not falling over themselves to apologize for that was outrageous to me. Yes.
2: Yeah. The th- fact that she, her first words, Christina's first words were, there must be, a, there's a misunderstanding. Yeah. I'm like, <sighs> no, actually there's not. No. <laughs> Max wants to be with Dylan in a romantic way and Dylan does not. And she said, no, and Max didn't listen. He's not taking no.
3: Right.
2: And so when Max later is like reading the definition of harassment and recognizing his own behavior, he's
1: right. Yeah. It's not a misunderstanding. I was, I was upset that, because I thought that Christina and Adam did a lot of good in that conversation with the three of them where they talk back their disastrous (laughs) scale, fluid fluid scale scale talk. (laughs) But I do think a real misstep was when they refused to call his behavior harassment, because I thought you can call it harassment without like disowning your son or like, you don't have to like be ashamed of him. You can say, you're right. You've looked up the definition of harassment that that was harassment, but the important thing is that you learn from this experience and that you don't do it again. And we are partially responsible and we we put you in a bad situation and we handled it wrong because we're human and we mess up too. So we're so sorry. You know, it's, it's not okay that you did it, but it will be okay. We just apologize and you don't do it again and you've learned something very important. I thought, damn it, what is their unwillingness Even when he goes to the trouble of looking it up and he knows what it is and and it like invalidates Dylan standing up for herself, I feel like, for them to essentially say, oh, she was wrong. No, it wasn't harassment. You didn't harass her. I thought, no, that's not okay. She was so upset and saying no like even if he hadn't reached for her physically i think it's harassment to keep insisting like here are all the reasons like they're supposed to be working on a project
0: yeah also they're just not on task yeah i mean i don't say that as a joke like especially for max who's so rule oriented yeah max this time is not designated for you to be making a list of why dylan should like you yeah you're supposed to be working on your project and she's asking you to work on the project yeah, And she's asking to be with a different partner. No yeah. one's listening to her anywhere.
1: Yeah. And I couldn't believe how much worse Adam was making it. When the parents were understandably upset.
10: Hi. So,
1: uh, Dylan filled us in on a few very interesting details yes. that somehow the
10: school neglected to tell us. Okay. Like your son's been harassing our daughter for over a week now. No, no. I think just it's complicated. It's Oh, it's a lot complicated. More complicated. Is it like, it, which
4: than... complication are you referring to? Are you referring to when he distributed a bunch of malicious flyers no. all over the school about one of the other students? or no, no, see, Or the violence that he threatened the boy with? That or, wasn't or maybe true. Was no. it wasn't one of the tons of unwanted gifts he's been publicly okay. bestowing so that's on what our happened.
10: daughter. Dylan Started dating Aaron, and then oh, oh I, we don't care no, about, about school it, gossip. It's not gossip. What mm-hmm. we're interested in knowing is whether or not you chose to discipline your son for these things he's doing, or is he just allowed to just I, do whatever the hell he wants? I around did. Him. I spoke with my son about oh, you spoke this. spoke with him. Yes. Yeah. When were you ever going to speak to us about it? Okay, listen. She's right, uncomfortable. Can everybody just stop
4: I for one second? Let's all so just try and settle down, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry that your daughter's uncomfortable, but I feel like you guys don't have a clear understanding of what's been happening. Your son you put you his understand? hands
9: on my daughter. Oh, come on. That's not
10: true. Did you see it? Did you? That's, That's is a bunch I of BF. He's not trying to.
4: He do is harassing more. her. He intimidated her. All right, you know what? I think this is a case of a couple of absentee parents trying to blame somebody oh, else oh, for wow. their okay. own oblivion. Because you haven't movie. been home, you haven't been watching your daughter. Funny. Maybe if you were home, you'd you know Funny. what's going on. You know what? Thanks a lot. Oh this has God. been really eye-opening for
1: us. Yeah, it's eye-opening
0: for me too. You, you too. only
10: see through the lens of your son. That's Obviously, not true. Thanks a lot. That is not true. We're here for all the kids. Okay, not for our daughter anymore
1: we have seen in episodes past that there's probably some merit to what he's saying, but this is not the time to get into that. Like that doesn't, that doesn't negate the fact that they're right. And when, when, when Dylan's dad is like, he put his hands on my daughter and Adam's like, Oh, whatever. He did not or whatever. I'm like, Oh my God, he did though. He like, yeah,
0: you all saw it.
1: You all saw it. What's happening. It was just, so upsetting and i kind of couldn't believe like are we supposed to be on adam and christina's side was anyone watching this feeling that way Uh. well and
0: i noted that nothing dylan's parents said was inaccurate Mm -hmm. not one word like yes there are many details of what happened that they don't know about there is context that that they don't know about sure but they haven't gotten anything wrong so there is no misunderstanding yeah And I noted the same thing you kind of just said, which is two things can be true at once. Yeah. The Joneses can be absentee parents, and Max has not suffered adequate consequences for his behavior. Maybe I shouldn't say suffered. That's... chart, But like he has not received adequate consequences.
1: There it is. Yeah.
0: I don't (laughs) sympathize with the Bravermans at all. I actually found it refreshing to see someone like lay some truths on them. And maybe it's because I find this whole school (laughs) and them running it to be kind of existing in a bubble where just, well, my goodwill and my heart being in the right place just inoculates me from the realities of the world. And for someone to come in and be like, here's reality. Yeah. You're not protecting our child. Yeah. Finally, something penetrates this bubble. Here's
1: the pettiest thing I could ever say. I was so, I was sort of glad her parent night got ruined. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. But like before that parent happened, night, or <laughs> she
0: calls it staff meeting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because she's a parent. Because anyway, she's a parent. She's a parent. It's but her like only
0: qualification for being there.
1: Yeah, but just the way that it started with people being like, "Oh, thank goodness you started this," and she's like, "She is such a bright spot in our school." And I mean, these are nice things. But I also was just like this is all a fraud. I don't know. And then it kind of felt like, yeah, this is maybe something that should happen when you've been really fucking it up to the degree that you've been (laughs) fucking it up. So um, yeah, that's super petty, but it's really how I felt.
0: I feel like every step of this storyline, even if we had some positive development, like Adam and Christina finally talking about the scale of affection and they were wrong, then there's some little fly in the ointment like, oh, but you missed this opportunity to tell Max that he was harassing her. And then, like, Christina has this apology to Dylan. Listen, I just
10: want to say to you that I am so, so sorry for not addressing Max's behavior. No, no it was totally my fault. I didn't protect you. And as headmaster, I take full responsibility, honey, but okay? And I... I just want you to know that moving forward, that, that will never happen again, okay?
0: I understand
9: that Max can't help it.
10: I know. I just, I want to make sure that you feel protected and feel secure, Okay. Dylan, what's wrong? What, what is, what, what, is there something else? My parents want to switch schools. Okay, um, I know. I think maybe what can happen is, is I can talk to them and I can tell them no, that that's not a good idea. No, you can't they won't
8: listen. They never listen to me.
2: They don't get that this is the first place in five years that's actually helped me.
10: Okay. I know that I can talk to them, and I want you here. I believe in you, and I know that this is the right school for you. Okay? I know. And I will do whatever it takes to keep you here. I will, okay? You're so welcome. Okay. We're going to fix this, okay?
0: I was so glad that Christina gave her that apology because it was absolutely necessary, Yeah. and I thought it was a decent apology. Yeah. She did... Say what she needed to say, but then it's like that two things being true at once. The scene ends with Dylan crying and begging to stay at the school because her parents want to take her out, and Christina is the savior for saying, "I'll talk to them." Like what? (laughs) I, I I get that those two things can be true that that Christina mishandled the Max situation, and that Dylan still feels like the school is where she wants to be, and so I. I hope that she gets that, but it just feels like her emotional attachment to the school clouds all these egregious problems that arose with the whole Mac situation. I'm like, I'm I'm trying to make sense of this as a viewer. And I'm like, I think I want Dylan out of that school, but that's not what she wants. Okay. But so does Christina get off the hook for how badly she mishandled this? And
1: That's how I felt. I was like, okay, so this is the show's way of having Christina at least partially own up to her mistakes and her bad behavior. But then we're still supposed to get this feel good ending where Dylan is thrilled to stay at this school where something really upsetting happened. And it wasn't just Max's behavior, but the reinforcement of the headmaster and I just thought, and how does
0: Aaron Brownstein feel about Max still being at the school? I, yeah, I'd... yeah.
1: I mean, what what Aaron Brown? <laughs> were were his parents not at at you know parent night? I don't. Very good point. And I just thought this is weird. And I also thought Max's apology to Dylan was so good that it actually infuriated me anew because I thought if you had just given him the right information, he's completely capable of treating yes. Dylan with respect. And I'm like, this is 100% his parents' fault then because like the way he was so con, it was just contrite and respectful and it was completely sincere. And I thought, damn it, you like, Turns your son into a harasser because of your bad intel. That's how well, much. And I, uh,
0: anyway. Yeah, and I thought, like, I'm glad everyone got what they wanted. Fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but the resolution was so swift and tidy that I felt like it trivialized the whole conflict that came before it. Yes. And yeah, Max understanding so clearly once they had one conversation yeah. about it made it seem like just some wacky threes company misunderstanding. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I guess we should never have said that scale was fluid. I'm like, that's all it took? <laughs> that's re- that's ridiculous. I-, I wrote, I'm happy for Dylan, but I'm also shaking my damn head.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I
0: read two articles, hmm. one in the Washington Post called How Parenthood Drove Me Crazy by Alyssa Rosenberg, where she writes... Parenthood has become everything that conservatives love to parody about liberal culture, myopic and obsessed with self-actualization to the point of doing real damage to others. And she writes that most of her problems center around Adam and Christina.
1: <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Max, perhaps not
0: surprisingly given his diagnosis, turns to pick up artist techniques to figure out how to approach Dylan. I understand why Adam and Christina want to encourage him to develop social skills and to follow up on his feelings, But as both parents and school executives, they end up demonstrating an appalling lack of respect for the rights of other students. And in this week's episode, they essentially got away with doing so. Parenthood is so solidly Team Braverman that it cannot assign Adam, Christina, and Max any really serious consequences. Dylan, despite her awful experience, begs Christina to make the case to her parents that she should not have to switch schools. Her parents end up apologizing to Adam and Christina and accepting Adam's diagnosis of their parenting. Max is obviously upset by the prospect that he has been harassing Dylan. I understand the impulse to treat a character like Max with kindness. He is a child, and he was following a set of instructions, partially provided by his parents, that are dangerous precisely because they obscure nuance and consent. But Parenthood could have made a sharper point that Max's actions, no matter his intentions, did constitute harassment and make Dylan physically uncomfortable. Yes. And there ought to be consequences beyond a conversation. At a moment when pickup culture and the language of sexual entitlement is having serious real-world implications, watching the Bravermans prioritize their son's comfort over Dylan's safety reveals the limits of their goodness. If I was sure parenthood meant that to be the takeaway, I might be impressed. But that would run counter to everything Kadams has taught us about the Bravermans over the previous five seasons.
1: Damn, that's good.
0: Parenthood might have considered letting Adam and Christina really fail, instead of just have yet another obstacle over which they emerge triumphant and flush with self-esteem.
1: I think it's why I'm glad that the parent night was ruined, because I'm like, that's the only consequence they're going to get. <laughs> like, yeah, Yeah, the school is still the place
0: dylan wants to be and it made me wonder you know when she says they should have let them really fail i thought it would have been more interesting perhaps if the joneses understood that the school was good for dylan so they let her return but only on the condition that christina didn't run it anymore
1: Ooh, (laughs) you know if
0: they said we have really serious concerns about your qualifications to run this school And before we just send our daughter back here, we want someone with like an education background or a special needs background, neither of which you have, neither of which your husband has for us to really feel safe about this. And we spoke to some other parents and they have similar concerns. You know, and then Christina would have to choose between what she wants as Max's parent and the benefit of the students. Like, do you really care about the students, Christina? Then you need to walk away. Or more simply, if Dylan's parents just didn't budge and took her out of school yeah. against Dylan's wishes, Dylan's crushed. And Christina has to reflect on, wow, we cost this girl the school where she felt like she really belonged.
2: Yep. That would have been yeah. powerful. That would have been good. And and also reflect on, like, what steps do I need to take to be able to separate parent Christina and headmaster Christina? Yes. because. I'm blurring the lines here and it has resulted in a negative consequence for my son and for this young woman. And it's just like, yeah, I think it could have led to, you know, not her giving up the school perhaps, but just like thinking about how to navigate that better.
1: Yeah. And just some reflection. I get that she apologizes to Dylan and does take responsibility and that's good, but I really, the the arrogance, I still am struck, you know, of like thinking that public school has done so much damage that, of course, she would improve upon it. <laughs> and I mean, I get the thing with Trevor was terrible. And I get that he had that one teacher who always sent him to the library. And that's not good either. But I don't know, just her confidence that she would be like, I'm creating this school where there will be no issues and no bullying and To realize she was, in fact, the bully of the school is kind of intense. Um, And I think more could have been done to explore that.
0: Yeah. There was also an article from Vulture called What Happened? Why is every character on Parenthood the worst now?
3: By (laughs) Margaret Lyons. Wow. And
0: I'll post this one on our social media because I think you can read it without going through a paywall. And she dissects every character. But here is a section about Adam and Christina. She said, Christina has never been qualified to run a school. If anyone could do it, don't you think more people would? And now her incompetence has become dangerous negligence. Max was harassing Dylan, and Christina and Adam appear to have given up on any kind of therapies for their son. Max's behavior is explainable, but it's not excusable, and his parents' ongoing refusal to recognize that is as bad for him as it is for everyone else. Christina's constant sweetheart, babe, honey, lingo is grating in her home, but at school, directed at her students, it's inappropriate and degrading. That girl in a toga isn't your sweetheart. She's a student who deserves to be educated by someone who is a qualified educator. Sucks for you, toga girl, but that's what you get for going to a school started by a former shoe salesman, a former political consultant, and an egregious sense of entitlement.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, sucks for you, Toga girl. <laughs> oh man!
0: And you know, many episodes ago, when the Dylan storyline first started getting introduced, and I said, I remember this being one of my least favorite storylines. This is this is why. This is why. And I, in one sense, feel bad piling on these characters that, in many other contexts, I love.
1: Yeah.
3: But
0: it kind of typifies the elements of them that have always bugged me into one singular storyline. And then I feel like even in this one, they don't learn anything.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like when they all just go play basketball with Alex at the end. And it's like, remember, you were super racist about him. Like, I don't know why you get to all just play basketball happily at the end. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So. I'm glad you mentioned Alex, though, because I did want to give one, like, final shout out to Ali Ionides. I apologize if I'm saying her name wrong. The actress who plays Dylan, she is terrific. Terrific. And I remember not liking Dylan, but I was completely wrong. She was charming and hit her emotional beats so well. I mean, that scene with Christina, even though I was like, why is, why are you begging Christina? (laughs) But, but she was so good. I thought she made a guest role really distinctive and memorable to a degree that I would say is like almost equivalent to Michael B. Jordan or John Corbett.
1: Yeah. She was fantastic. I agree. She, yeah. Yeah. I didn't recall being as kind of blown away as I was by her. And yeah, the storyline itself had its issues, but boy, there were moments I loved. I really loved her going over to the Braverman's house and bonding with Christina. Like that was so nuanced and interesting. I loved that. And and her performance was terrific.
0: Yeah. And I do want to say, I think this is a storyline, like the marital struggle, that could have been great. Yeah. I I don't think, like, they should never have gone near this story. I think they just mishandled it. Yeah, I agree. If it was more about teaching Max constructively about these very gray areas that neurotypical people have tons of trouble and write poetry and songs about for you know <laughs> centuries that would be compelling or seeing it made a huge mess and you know what if what if adam and christina were ousted from the school over this or what if dylan was pulled out and they felt remorse you know all of those things i think could have made it better but it was trying to be a little daring and feel good at the same time. And yeah. it, it just didn't quite add up. Something in that article that really struck me is saying that the show is so firmly team Braverman that it can't give them real consequences. And I thought like, Oh, that kind of applies to Julia too. Doesn't it? Like, are we just supposed to be on Julia's side? Cause she's a Braverman. Yeah. Instead of like, maybe you really do lose your husband yeah. or I don't know.
2: That's an interesting thing. And I i also wonder if like knowing that it's the last season. And it almost feels like some of these storylines are just kind of like meant to like mark the mark reoccurrence is like a closure moment. Yeah. But this is like more of like a let's get this this is conflict kind of gone dealt with and gone so we can close this thing. Yeah. And then I feel like the simmering conflict is Zeke's health, which is gonna maybe be the kind of final conflict. I don't really know. I don't know how it ends, but it felt like maybe they didn't give these things enough time to really, or they just didn't have the energy, the narrative energy at this point. I don't know. Yeah. You know, there was that short-lived Netflix show that was like about the last blockbuster.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Just like, it, I watched the first episode. It was not very good. I'm sorry to the people that made that. <laughs> um Great premise though, like yeah. knowing that your days are numbered, like what is it like to write a storyline under the conditions of knowing it is the final chapter? Like there would be a lot of pressure on you, but yeah. you'd also feel like, okay, well, what are we going to have these characters do one last time? Yeah. Okay. Let's have Christina be like starting this random school, you know, or what's well, not <laughs> random, but you know, it feels a little yeah. out of her wheelhouse. And
1: yeah, uh,
2: I don't know. It's, it's interesting to wonder how that would affect the conflict because what you're saying about being team Braverman, right. I'm thinking to myself, is it possible that if you're the fan of kind of like, I think you, Melissa referenced friends. Yeah. That's another show. I did not like watch all the way through or anything, but is there a point at which the viewer actually wants to see the characters kind of lightly punished? (laughs) Or they seem too <laughs> unreal and kind of off-putting. Yeah. Because they keep getting away with stuff that we as humans in the real world know probably wouldn't work out all the time. And do we actually have a little desire to kind of see our favorite
1: characters a little bit taken down a peg from time to time? I think if, if it's if show. it's if it's warranted, you know, like I I think yes, no one should be above the law. Like I, I think, you know, like these are characters that I like. But if they behave badly, I want consequences because that's life, you know? <laughs> to, uh,
0: to Sorry, I'm la- I'm just laughing because <laughs> you say no one is above the law. I suddenly thought someone on some podcast is saying that right now about like <laughs> the former president. And here we are on our podcast saying it about fictional characters. <sighs> but friends. I totally agree with no, you. No, but
1: <laughs> you're totally right. I mean, I was glad that like – Jasmine left Crosby when he cheated on her. He deserved to be left. And it's not because I hate Crosby or because I think that he needs to suffer for all eternity and go to hell Crosby. No, that was the right amount of consequence, I think. You, you don't get to just immediately marry your wonderful fiance when you betray her. And I think they did in that situation do a good job of like by the time they do get together, he has really shown real remorse and growth. And so then you're, like, happy that they they work it out. Never mind all the regression he does later that annoys me. But, like, yeah. Well,
0: I, yeah. Ruth, I think you, I just interrupted you. No, there. no,
1: that's that's it. Uh, I, I'm rambling now. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Ruth, I think you raised such a good point because I would imagine it would be a challenge as a long-form television writer that you create a dramatic dynamic. And that is what hooks people on your show. So, like... People like Crosby because he's an overgrown child and he's irresponsible. That's who the character was conceived as. And then throughout the course of the show, you want the characters to grow and evolve. But if they grow and evolve so far away from Mm. their conception, then that whole point for them existing is gone. So it's like, did they have him grow and then realize... Well, now we don't get to tell any more stories about Crosby being an overgrown child, (laughs) but that's so fun. And then they just keep writing them or with friends. I think it was pitched as that's the time in your life when your friends are your family. Well, within 10 years, they should have grown up. And to some degree they did. And to some they didn't. I mean, I remember while that show was on in the later seasons, my parents saying, they're getting a little old to be behaving like this. (laughs) Meaning the characters. And it is funny to see like in later seasons, they're almost all sort of less mature than they were at the beginning. And I think it's like they realized, well, we can't keep them frozen like this forever. So then their evolution gets like backtracked a little bit.
1: I think it's also something that starts to happen over time is that characters become a little, like, stereotypical versions of themselves. Crosby almost becomes, like, a cartoon or something, and and the characters on Friends for sure did. I thought they were all more compelling in the early seasons, and then it becomes wackier. Everything's exaggerated. Yeah. Like, Monica was, like, a believable human being who was uptight, and then she becomes And she was
0: embarrassed to confess the things she was obsessed about yeah and then in season 10 she's vacuuming her vacuum with another vacuum
1: (laughs) or like talking about how like the the cleanup for a party, like everyone else had their party. Now I have mine. And it's like, I don't even believe you. Like that's not even like a real thing a person would say is that vacuuming after the party is the party. You were a believable person once. and now you're really not. And same with Crosby, it was sort of lovable. and then it became too much
0: and I wonder that with Max, to a degree, like, have they not brought on another behavioral aid since Gabby? Because if Max is too in control of himself, the whole purpose for his character existing goes out the window.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It
2: actually, it feels like we're making an argument for something that I've thought before, which is, you know how, I don't know, some British shows or maybe, I don't know if they're just British shows, but it feels like there's some other countries where it's like, it's a tidy six to eight or 10. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And on the one hand, you're left like, okay, Fleabag is a good example. There was two seasons and both excellent and wonderful and amazing. And I'm like, maybe just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mess with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't bring back the hot priest for season three, just because people thought he was cool and liked him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because he'll still just be hot priest, but maybe like if we saw that again, we will be annoyed because it won't do anything new or it will be something totally new and he'll be like, who knows? And it would be ridiculous. Yeah. Cause it sounds like that's what you're talking about with friends. And I'm wondering if sometimes in America, I feel like with our franchises, like we should just lop them off. Yeah. Even though they're yeah. still making so much money, like Seinfeld went out after 10, 10 years, I think
0: nine. I think.
2: Nine. And I think people were like dumbfounded if I remember correctly at the time, well, but they were just like, we're done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. We gotta,
2: we gotta go while the going is good. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that, that actually is good because otherwise you end up kind of circling the drain and yeah, making up these storylines, having your characters regress
1: or just becoming derivative of yourself. Or like Ellen Pompeo on Grey's Anatomy. she It's weird to say I feel bad for her because she makes literally like a million an episode or something. <laughs> but like she has been trying to leave that show forever. And I think she just keeps being like, okay, I'll hold on. How much longer can it last? <laughs> <laughs> it's in its I 19th season going on
2: I know I, I did watch the first two seasons and yeah. I thought they were very compelling
1: yep <laughs> but now they're just like yeah
2: ringing I'm just yeah. yeah I'm imagining her going into Shonda Rhimes and being like please please just like have a tr- another tragedy, but this time make it, make it permanent.
1: Make my, I don't know. Show.
0: Yeah.
1: She finally <laughs> left. She finally was able to like, say I am done. She's, oh. but the show is continuing and yeah. I'm like, okay, your lead, it's called Grey's Anatomy. It just end it. Like, whatever. I don't know.
2: It's funny that we're talking about this on a podcast about a TV show. And we're like,
1: in TV shows earlier.
3: We don't want
0: them to go on. <laughs> well, And the flip side of it is I have often lamented, too, that some series aren't longer. Yeah. Like, like the upcoming Ted Lasso, I think, is they say the last season that they planned on doing. They were yeah. just going to do three. And each season is only 10 episodes. And I think, oh, come on, I can't get lost in 30 episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Give me a hundred. And there's pros and cons to each. Yeah, true. And this is a definite con that it it becomes a um, kind of a snake eating its own tail in a way. Yeah. Well, some characters do still grow and change. And one of my first observations about Zeke in this episode was that it was pretty amazing (sighs) to see that since last season... When Zeke refused to go on a trip with his wife. Yeah. He now wants to take her on a trip to France to share something of his past with her. I like, well, love that. The kind of evolution that I can get on board with. But the whole storyline was a little bizarre. Yeah. To me, like, why Why does it have to be a surprise? Why does Drew have to help him? Why does Camille have to? <laughs> tell Drew there are cookies to get him of, there are no cookies I know you're up to something <laughs> that's weird yeah I just felt I guess really I'm just saying I just felt really bad for Drew yes. being in the middle of it and there's no worse moment of that than his scene with Zeke this is it let's do it let's book it
7: grandpa I can't book it why can't you book because- it
8: Grandma knows, Grandpa. I'm sorry, okay? But I don't know what I'm supposed to do when she's asking me questions about you because she's worried about your health.
7: So you told her?
8: I didn't tell her everything. No, I, I asked her if it was okay for you to fly because she's asking me what we're doing. And I'm trying not to tell her because you don't want me to tell her. Oh, but then I, in turn, I have to lie to her. So what am I supposed to do there? You know, you're putting me in a really weird position. And so I told her that you were gonna, you were trying to fly yeah, yeah. somewhere. That's it.
7: God, you know, I would, uh, this is gonna be a special trip, Drew. You know, it's I know. me and your grandmother, maybe for the last, oh you know, God. I chose you because I trusted you. Do you understand? I trusted you. Yeah. You let me down. Do you understand? Just take me home.
2: Okay. That is so unfair. And I I actually thought of the word gaslighting, which I don't necessarily want to apply to this, but I felt like there was some elements of that where... He's like, I trusted you. You disappointed me. Okay, yes, you're disappointed, but like also, you're not considering that you put Drew into a very uncomfortable position, both you and Camille. Yeah. And basically, Drew is just trying to not disappoint anyone, which I mean, I can relate to that too. Like, just trying to keep the ball moving in all directions simultaneously and not saying no to anyone. Yeah. He doesn't know who he should listen to. Is it Zeke? Is it Camille? So he's just trying to do to both, and then Zeke lays it on so thick. And I understand because there's that hint of it could be the last time, yeah. you know, which is poignant. Yes, it's possible that it could be the last time they ever travel outside of the country. They are elderly or whatever, and I get that. But it felt really unfair to be like, you disappointed me.
3: By not using that
2: credit card to purchase those tickets. And and in the whole time, in the back of my head too, I was like, can someone who had heart surgery, like, is there actually, are you not supposed to fly or I don't know? I just felt like, is this a made up kind of like caution on the part of doctors? Like surely if you had a heart surgery, like, yes, you should not immediately jump out of bed and like
0: run five miles or something, but going on a plane yeah, he comes bounding down those stairs. Yeah, yeah. that's
2: true. It was like, what's the all thing? I can
0: imagine is maybe they don't, you don't want to be on the opposite side of the world from if your doctor.
2: Wrong. Yeah. yeah. Rather or than just...
0: the flying. But I don't I don't know.
2: Anyway, those are my thoughts. I just was like, this is
1: really mean. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I thought it was a really shitty thing to do. And I didn't even understand why. Yeah. Like, I understand why Zeke would be upset that the plan he wanted didn't happen for it to be a surprise. Yeah. Like, what, what do you get out of chewing Drew out? And what really got me was that you disappointed me. Do you understand? Like, <laughs> yeah. as if he was like teaching him a lesson or something. Yeah. And, you know, I have to say, I, I included Camille in my like, why are they putting Drew in this spot? But she wasn't asking Drew to keep any secrets. You know, she was just asking for information that she wasn't getting. So I, I I think Zeke is more guilty than her. Although also, why didn't she go right to Zeke and say, I know you're planning something. What is it? Rather than going to Drew and say, I know he's planning something. What is it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not
0: your grandson's responsibility to fill you in on what your husband's doing.
1: Well, and what really gets me is several episodes ago, he was just trying to live his life and like study and stay focused on himself. And when he does that, his girlfriend's all like, your grandfather just wants to spend time with you. But yeah, what a jerk. And I thought, boy, (laughs) Drew should just be able to be like, you're both being very unfair to me right now. I've got a lot. On my plate, so I'm just gonna remove myself. But if he does that, someone's gonna call him selfish for not spending time with his grandfather. I just thought none of this is fair. And this is how family stuff sometimes can be like toxic and why it's important to have like boundaries because Drew did absolutely nothing to deserve that and it was awful. And the way he just took it, like when he looked at his grandfather, like, not even blinking, like, not breaking eye contact, like, I deserve this. You know, he didn't say, you guys put me in a really unfair position. Nope. And then I thought, I mean, this is messed up, but I even thought this as Zeke was having his heart issue that night. I thought before you went to bed, you should have called Drew and apologized because like (laughs) Camille even says to you, I think it's better this way that it's not a surprise. This way we can look forward to it together. It would have been nice for him to reflect on how he had treated Drew and called him and said, I am sorry. I was so disappointed, but it's not you I'm disappointed with. Obviously I'm frustrated at my health and feeling scared. And I totally took it out on you. And that wasn't fair. And then he wouldn't have to like have anything in the back of his mind if he's getting rushed to the hospital. Like, you know, he won't want that shit hanging over his head. Do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. just thought you two didn't patch that up and now he's gonna be in the hospital or dead. Or dead, yeah.
0: We don't know. We don't
1: know. We don't know, yeah. And poor Drew's gonna feel even worse. I, I don't know, I just... It was a very cliffhanger episode. Yeah, that was a really scary thing, though, to see Drew, or to see Zeke so vulnerable like that. Ooh.
0: Yeah, I thought it was terrifying, the look on his face. Yeah. And I, I don't remember for sure how I reacted to the end of this episode, but especially since I was on a death, death watch, Yeah. I'm sure I thought that maybe he'd be dead yeah. and one of the articles that i looked up for this one did say like i guess the show went on a little break after this like for oh, a few weeks wow and they said i'm sure that zeke will die in the next episode and then we'll have some episodes where we miss him I'm like oh yes. shit <laughs> Wow. Maybe. <laughs> See, that's the fatigue of the sixth season. Uh, yeah, speaker. apparently,
1: I uh, That funeral, it'll be over. <laughs> that's what someone can muster. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow.
0: But let's discuss Zeke and Camille. You know, coming clean about all of this.
1: You still sore about the trip? Yeah,
0: you damn right sore about the trip. God,
7: I, I mean. I can't even drive my own damn car. Everybody's treating me like an invalid. I can't even spend my own money when I want to spend it for what I want to do with
3: it. No, you can't. Not when you're planning on sneaking around doing things that are bad for
8: your health. (laughs) Where were you gonna fly off to anyway? France. France?
7: Yep, gonna go to France.
8: Yeah, what were you gonna do in France?
7: Okay. Well... You remember when I wrote you after I got out of the service and I was in this little village of S and they had this wonderful B and B there with the best food and wine I've ever had.
3: Yeah, I remember, remember that. that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay.
7: Well, yeah. I was uh I was gonna surprise you on our anniversary and I was gonna take you there back to the B and B. And uh I figured you could paint all you wanted to. I mean, hell, you painted all over Italy and fiddle around with those statues, and God knows what else. But the point is, just you and me spending some...
2: Oh, sick. Really?
7: Yeah.
8: Well, we could still go. Can't we? I mean... After you see Leland, he okays you for travel. We'll just go. I like it better this way, that it's not a surprise. Because we can look forward to it together.
0: Really? Yeah. I thought that was a lovely moment. Yeah. But again, though, with the grand gestures, I feel like Zeke's wish or desire for a grand gesture, while I'm really touched by what was motivating it. Yeah. I love that. But the grand gesture almost wrecked the whole idea. Mm -hmm. And then Camille's reasoning for liking that it wasn't a surprise felt so understandable to me. Yeah. I almost felt like Zeke just doesn't understand that she wants to share her life with him. Yes. And it, it reminded me a lot of Jasmine and Crosby in the last episode where it felt like Crosby didn't understand that Jasmine wanted to share in his life with him, even the hard parts, especially the hard parts like you're not in financial trouble. We are in financial trouble. I'm here for you. Yeah. We're in this together. Yeah. It's like Zeke thought he needed to provide Camille with incredible experiences instead of sharing incredible experiences with her. I, I don't know. I might be reading too much into it, but it feels like kind of a burden of chauvinism that I feel really bad he has to carry. Yeah. Like, Zeke, relieve yourself of that duty. Or Crosby, relieve yourself of, I have to provide for the whole family. You have to work together with your wife to help the family flourish. It's not all on you.
1: I think what would have been really cool is if Zeke just realized that him wanting to travel with her would mean the world after everything they've been through. It doesn't also have to be a surprise, you know, especially with his heart condition being the, what it is, she would want to be involved in the planning of it to make sure that she's not spending this... Like, if he had managed it to be a surprise and whisked her away, would she have even been able to fully enjoy it without knowing that the like the doctor had signed off on it? You, you know, like, if they can plan it together, then they can also, like, feel comfortable together about, about this. Yeah. I, I think maybe he doesn't get that part. He just wants it to be romantic. But, like, to her, it's romantic to plan together and know where you stand i guess
0: like she begged him last season yeah
1: yeah totally it's funny because it feels like what are the grand gestures that are the
2: most meaningful and this one was actually in some weird way it felt more meaningful than the how you're describing it feels more meaningful than even what joel did because yeah. it felt more like do you get it it's a first date you know spot (laughs) a little bit too much yeah whereas this is more like look I'm trying to do this thing that I used to not be into and I you know didn't attend to what you'd wanted but it's like he kind of messed it up by trying to make it a big surprise yeah and bring in Drew and force him to kind of do this thing that you know would have been just I guess I get why he didn't want to just ask Camille but I don't know. Some, I mean, this is a random tangent slightly, but it reminds me of this Valentine's day sushi dinner that my boyfriend, when I was, I don't even know, 21, 22, 23 took me out for, and it was like $200. Oh, wow. And he was kind of like, see, <laughs> this is for you. And I was like, oh, but I don't really want, that like I didn't say I don't want that, but I was just like very underwhelmed. I guess like I didn't perform how excited I was to have this like sushi dinner. I think I was actually somewhat upset because he made us go out at like 3 p.m. because he had a, a rock show that evening. If he's listening, I'm sorry to tell you this story. A great <laughs> person. Anywho, um, but I remember he was so upset because in his mind, I think he had that grand vision of how it was going to go. Yeah, which is like we're going to go out at 3 PM. I'm going to pay $200 for this wonderful sushi dinner. Ruth is going to love it. She's going to be amazed. Then we'll go to the rock show. And instead I was just kind of like, Oh, that was good. But I felt rather uncomfortable that we'd spent 200 or he'd spent $200 on a meal. I yeah. was like very, we were you know, young. I was just like, "Oh, this is so much money. Yeah. I don't know. It's funny how a grand gesture in your mind of the gesturer yeah. can be so amazing. And then in this circumstance with Zeke and in the sushi dinner circumstance, it's almost like the gesture has not really thought through how the gesture will be received or how it's going to, in this case, be obtained. Yeah, It's going to involve damaging his relationship with Drew. It's just like, maybe sometimes a grand gesture isn't so grand and just (sighs) just telling someone like, hey, what do you want to do for Valentine's Day? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I think I'm almost always in favor of not having a grand gesture. But I also say that as someone who is in kind of a abusive, like situation where it was always like making up for something. So I kind of associate it with like a real roller coaster thing, which is not the case like you know, with, with Zeke here, but I, I like steady, you know, I like just reliability. And actually I think that's where like Julia was, you know, like she doesn't want a grand gesture. She wants a husband who doesn't leave when things are hard, you know? So I think like that makes sense. You know, like I remember my mom who's very romantic, like, I think she used to almost... I don't know, be critical of my relationship with Mark, which is an incredibly good relationship. And I think just honestly, my mom has been in a lot of really unhealthy relationships. And so she was very used to grand gestures. And she was like, is he romantic enough? And I'm like, well, he makes dinner every single night and (laughs) is incredibly kind. And I can count on him and he makes me laugh. And she was like, yeah, but does he send you flowers for no reason? I'm like, no, he doesn't. I don't want that. I want exactly what I have. Do you know what I mean? Gotta know the gesture for the person you're with. And some people want grand, sort of cheesy
2: gestures like flowers. Other people don't want that. They want, like, you to make dinner and to, like, give me a taste before you try it. Yeah. That's your gesture. Yeah. You gave me a taste of your food before you you ate it yourself because you wanted me to have some. Like, that's a gesture. Yeah. Is Is it grand? Well, to me.
1: Yeah. It's grand. Yeah. 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 yeah, And, and so I, I do think that's interesting. Like I just, I think sometimes like romantic movies and stuff like ruin <laughs> people or something, you know, like they think love is this, this one thing, but I'm like, Oh, I just like conversation and trust and laughter. That's, that is where I live right now. And I feel blessed beyond measure. And yeah, I don't know. I just think, Camille wanted someone to travel with her. The fact that he wants to do that, it's like literally it seems to be like a dying wish. That's the amazing part. That is incredible. That makes me want to cry because it isn't just sweeping her off her feet. It's like literally knowing who he's married to and like atoning for something that he didn't give her in the past, like or trying to at least. That is so beautiful. That is amazing but you know yeah it's kind of it's sad.
0: leaning in and paying attention leaning to what in. your partner wants
1: there it is that's it it was
0: okay. I I, yep. I jumped off the title and I was like maybe that's a theme paying attention and and ignoring maybe what you felt like you're supposed to be doing yeah and instead really giving the person what they wanted I thought Hank and Sarah focused on one another yeah in this episode and kind of reinvested in their commitment. I mean, it does feel like they reached a new level in this episode. It does. Even though, what, they went to a school play?
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) And maybe that's why I like the storyline so much. It's like, it is moments like that where I think you'd realize, oh, we're even more serious than I thought. I'm not just your girlfriend. Yeah. And I am happy and I don't wish it was something else. And I'm not wondering if I made a mistake with Mark.
1: Yeah, lovely.
0: And I think Zeke had to really lean in and focus on what does Camille want from me? Does she want a surprise? She never asked me for that.
1: No, but she did ask me to travel. travel. Yes, she
0: does. Joel and Julia, I think, have to ignore their outside pressures and focus on each other. I'm not quite sure if it applies to the Mac storyline. He learned that
1: sometimes you shouldn't lean into what you want. You should lean (laughs) into what someone tells you. I don't
0: know. Oh, focus on what they want. Yeah. Dylan, maybe screaming, you're harassing me. Please stop <laughs> for the 10th time. Oh, those clues. You know. <laughs> I, but I also felt like you know, I, I jumped off that line that Camille says to Julia that marriage is about forgiveness. And that felt like a bit of a theme, too. Yeah. I, especially one of my favorite quotes ever, which is attributed to Lily Tomlin, but I can never find her actually saying it anywhere. But anyway... It's forgiveness means giving up all hope of a better past. And I thought that really applied to Joel and Julia. Like they're going to have to accept that they've hurt each other and they've made mistakes if they're going to truly forgive each other. And that does apply to Max and Dylan and their parents. I think like, yep, yep. We made some huge mistakes. Are we all agreeing that we're going to go forward now? And then with Sarah and Hank and Mark,
1: yeah,
3: a
0: lot of shit went down there. Yep, and it's never not going to have happened. Yep, and you got to be okay with that.
3: Yeah, and
0: then I, I suppose it applies to Zeke and Camille. For one thing, she says it, and then, <laughs> secondly, she's still married to him. <laughs> yeah, so I think I do think she understands forgiveness. One of those articles does mention though they thought that that scene felt like camille justifying why she stayed in a relationship where she wasn't listened to or respected
9: whoa
0: i'm like oh that is an interpretation damn and i hope zeke asks drew for forgiveness yeah yeah (laughs) if he can maybe he's dead maybe he's dead i think we've given away at this point that he's not dead but (laughs) he might be he really might be (laughs) But yeah
1: i would feel so bad for drew though if the next episode yeah, that was their last seeks just dead and drew's like he was so disappointed in me i'd be like damn it that's terrible <sighs> all right well we did it and um ruth thank you again this was You're welcome. as wonderful yes. as it always is Um, Where can people find your writing? If they want to read something I've written, they can look at my
2: website,
1: RuthCWilliams.com.
2: And I've got all kinds of links to poems and books and chapbooks
0: and stuff like that there. Awesome.
1: Excellent. Yes. And at least for now, you can still find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Parenthood Pals everywhere.
0: And ParenthoodPals.com. Until next time. May God bless and keep you always. May your wishes all come true.